Podcast One Production. Your morning agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Wednesday, the 17th of February. It's D-Day for millions of residents in Victoria who were set to find out if the five-day snap COVID lockdown will end from midnight tonight. Senior government ministers reportedly met overnight to work out a plan to reopen the state, but that will depend on case numbers today. Premier Daniel Andrews says the strategy is working and they are well-placed to make changes. We will wait as long as we can, still trying to give people as much notice as possible, but we'll wait as long as we can in order to have as much data as possible to make that important judgment. It'll be based on public health advice, whether we can go back directly to the settings that were there on Thursday and Friday, or whether we have to uh, ease back into it. We will get these rules off as quickly as we possibly can, as safely as we possibly can. Two new cases of coronavirus were recorded in Victoria yesterday, both linked to the Holiday Inn airport outbreak, bringing that cluster to 19. Meantime, a number of COVID-infected residents from hotel quarantine in Melbourne have been evacuated to another facility. The hotel suffered water damage from a faulty fire sprinkler. Authorities say they took every precaution to ensure strict infection protocols were followed while the guests were being transferred. Australia will have access to two COVID vaccines from next month, with the AstraZeneca jab now approved by Australia's top medical regulator, the TGA. The Therapeutic Goods Administration gave the vaccine its seal of approval yesterday. There will be two shots, with the second recommended 12 weeks after the first. Professor John Skerritt from the TGA has told the ABC Australians won't be given a choice as to what vaccine they get. The government's uh, policy is that each centre will just have one vaccine and there'll be different groups going to different uh, centres depending on obviously whether you're an aged care resident or you're going to uh, go to primary care in, in Category 1B of a Phase 1B of a rollout. And so, no, they won't have, have a choice. But frankly, both the Pfizer and AstraZeneca vaccines have been excellent vaccines from our review of them. Just hours before the AstraZeneca vaccine approval announcement, the federal government was battling to contain the massive fallout over bombshell allegations a junior Liberal Party staffer was raped at Parliament House. 24-year-old Brittany Higgins alleges she was raped in the Defence Industry Minister's office in 2019 by a fellow Liberal Party staffer after a night out drinking. There are questions over how the alleged crime was handled and who in the federal government knew about the allegations. Here's Prime Minister Scott Morrison. I have listened to Brittany. Jenny and I spoke last night and she said to me, You have to think about this as a father first. What would you want to happen if it were our girls? Jenny has a way of clarifying things, always has. The Prime Minister has announced an inquiry into workplace culture at Parliament House, but Green Senator Sarah Hanson-Young has told the project we need to do more, including adopting a code of conduct 
for all politicians. At the end of the day, I want this place to be a safe place for everyone to work in, and particularly for the young women who have always copped the brunt of the bad behaviour right here in Canberra, and it's got to stop. And world number one Novak Djokovic has blamed hotel quarantine for the number of injuries players have suffered at this year's Australian Open. Djokovic, who battled through an abdominal strain to reach the semi-finals overnight, says an NBA basketball bubble could be a solution for the rest of the tennis season, as the majority of players don't want to go ahead if they have to quarantine for most of the tournaments. And we'll have more on the Oz Open coming up shortly in sports. Now for a look at what else is making news around the country this Wednesday morning. And we start in Victoria and there are reports today that a number of staff and doctors from quarantine hotels are also working in other outside clinics. The Age says formal complaints have been made to WorkSafe Victoria with employees moving between numerous sites, including hot hotels, in clear breach of state government orders. It comes as the federal government calls for an inquiry into the source of the latest COVID outbreak in Melbourne. Our reporter, James Lake, has more. Yeah, that's right, Tash. The question is whether a returned traveller at the Melbourne Airport Holiday Inn was given permission to use a nebulizer in his room. It was the nebulizer which is now being blamed for speeding up the spread of coronavirus in the hotel and then out into the community. That man, who hasn't been named, claims he declared the device on multiple occasions and each time was given permission to use it for an ongoing medical condition. Now, where there's doubt, the Premier himself, Dan Andrews, says that is impossible because nebulizers are banned in hotel quarantine. Our Federal Health Minister, Greg Hunt, has demanded a full independent audit right now to get to the truth. In Queensland, the Palaszczuk government is ramping up pressure on the Prime Minister to support its proposal for a remote quarantine facility for incoming travellers. Our reporter Amy Drew has more from Brisbane. Yeah, well, it's believed the Morrison government are chasing significantly more details on this proposal for a 1,000-bed purpose-built facility that would be created near Toowoomba's Wellcamp Airport. The plan was officially put forward a couple of weeks ago now, but the Deputy Premier Stephen Miles said yesterday that issue is now largely in the federal court's hands. But according to News Court, the proposal that was put forward wasn't actually a fully formed one, but more of a series of dot points that were lacking critical safety information and didn't confirm whether COVID patients would be treated locally or would need to be transported several hours to a Brisbane hospital. The owners of Wellcamp Airport have also put forward their own proposal. Local businessman John Wagner's declared that he could have the facility ready to go in just a matter of weeks. To New South Wales now and drivers have been fined more than $60 million for mobile phone offences over just the past 12 months. Siobhan Caulfield has more from Sydney. Yeah, Tash, well, it turns out there's still an alarming number of people using their mobile phone behind the wheel in New South Wales, but thanks to the introduction of those new detection cameras, less of them are getting away with it. Fines for mobile phone offences have soared in the past year, adding up to more than $60 million in 2020. That $60 million figure skyrocketing from $8.6 million in 2019 before the cameras were brought in. Any driver who gets caught on their phone behind the wheel in our state loses five demerit points and cops a $349 fine. 
now for the latest in business and finance news this morning. We're joined by Effie Zahos, editor-at-large from Canster. Effie, good morning. JobKeeper is still open to new and existing participants before it's expected to end next month. Yeah, correct. It is set to end next month. But interestingly, that hasn't stopped the tax office from reminding businesses that they can still register despite it ending at the end of March. Now, it actually issued a media release on Monday calling on business owners to phone them should they want to register for this wage subsidy scheme. And remember, under the current scheme, you could be eligible under Tier 1 for around $1,000, while those on Tier 2, $650. Now, to be eligible, just as a reminder, your actual GST turnover has to have declined in the December 2020 quarter relative to the quarter in 2019. And it actually said if it thinks you are eligible to call them on 132856 rather than go online, as they'll be able to fast-track the process. But this is really interesting. I wonder how many people will call because yesterday I noticed the ABS payroll job numbers come through and they show they're back near pre-pandemic levels. And tomorrow we've actually got the, the labour market, the job numbers, unemployment numbers coming out. And most economists are also expecting good news here. St George, for example, is expecting job growth of around $10,000 and both the unemployment rate and the participation rate steady at 6.6 for unemployment and 66.2 for the uh, participation rate. Now, the real test, of course, is what's going to happen to this labour market after JobKeeper ends. There are numbers like around 100,000 Aussies are expected to lose their jobs and the Treasurer has made it clear that JobKeeper will go, but they are saying that they will get some targeted support for specific sectors. It's a case of, you know, watch this space. Yeah, fingers and toes crossed everything is okay after March. This is really interesting, this story, Effie. Uh, New data has come out both using credit card and Google data showing exactly what we're spending our money on. Yeah, I do like this. So the Commonwealth Bank, Australia's largest bank, so there's a lot of credit cards that it's got under its belt, I guess, to do this data, actually has what's called a household spending intentions report. And despite, you know, COVID-19-related lockdowns in various parts of the the country, um, what it actually does say is that we are spending. We're not spending on everything, but we are spending. And as you said, it, it combines data from actual spending and it overlaps it with what we're searching online from Google Trends. So strong gains were made in, you know, no surprises here, home buying. We seem to be buying so many cushions and dunas and everything else related to nesting. Entertainment was big and education spending intentions were big. Now, travel and health fitness are showing some signs of improvement, which is great for the, the, the fitness area. Motor vehicle spending intentions were relatively flat for the month of January. And retail was a real mixed bag. I mean, it saw strong increases on items relating to homeware, as I said, but not so much in other areas. Now, when you look at this report and then you see what's happened, uh, say, yesterday with reporting season, you've got a lot of these consumer-facing companies that are coming out as the real beneficiaries of lockdown. We had both Adairs, the, the home furnishing group, and Breville that announced yesterday some amazingly strong results. And Adair's even planning to return millions of dollars in, in JobKeeper payments to the federal government after a bumper first year. It'd be interesting to see today some consumer uh, companies like the Coles Group and Domino's. I don't need to hear from Domino's. I know I've bought plenty of pizzas in the last 12 months. <laughs> 
retail group is also making its announcement today. And remember, they've got brands like Rebel and MacPack. So it'd be um, no surprise if they did extremely well. And of course, Rio Tinto um, off the back of BHP's amazing results yesterday too. And CBA continues to say, look, home buying is going to really be the key support of the Australian economy in 2021, um, largely driven by low interest rates. And again, it, it is also saying the property market is going to do extremely well in 2021-2022. We'll wait and see. Effie, thank you as always. Thanks. Time for sport now with Brett Thomas. And Brett, as we reported earlier, Novak Djokovic, he loves a spray and is continuing to fight through injury at the Oz Open. Yes, and he made it uh, last night. Good morning, Tash, with that abdominal strain, which is a bit of a mystery considering, well, he looked out of sorts in that first set against Alexander Zverev uh, last night. A lot of uncharacteristic, unforced errors looking for the shorter points. Lost that in a tie break. Second set, though, it was like there was no injury at all. Raced out to a four-love lead. One that ended up winning in four sets. That a fourth set was a tight one. That was a tiebreak as well. But the world number one through to the semifinals yet again. Zverev yet to beat a top 10 player at Grand Slam level. And the Joker said that the match didn't go all his own way. Kind of walking into this match today, I knew that it, that's going to be probably the toughest match I had so far in the tournament. And it was like that till the last serve. It was really anybody's game. And smashed his racket and did a good job of it too. That was in, in the second set. He actually damaged part of the court. Now, Serena Williams is into her 40th Grand Slam semi-final. She beat Simona Halep in straight sets, 39 years of age. So she's been playing for a while, but just how long has she been playing for? Well, she took the mickey out of a reporter who asked about when was the last time she felt she dominated rallies like she did last night against Simona Halep. It's definitely been a minute. Um, it's been a long minute. <laughs> I think 1926, 19, the summer. Of 1926, I think was the last time I felt that. But I like, you know, I just like, you know, I'm good at rallying and I have to embrace the things I'm good at. I'm good at playing power. Good to see she's still got a sense of humour. Tash and, of course, Ash Barty playing her quarterfinal this morning against Carolina Muhova. They played at the US Open uh, three years ago. Barty won that in straight sets. Let's hope it's a similar result at about 11am Melbourne time. Yeah, and the Barty party continues. Just quickly going back to Novak. Brett. Now, we know that he had COVID. What's going on here? Do you think he was uh, faking it on the court? Well, it, it, he has been accused of that in the past. In fact, Rafael Nadal has accused him of kind of foxing when it comes to injuries. It is a bit mysterious that he said he has an injury that he would pull out of any other tournament, yet he can still beat a top 10 player in the world like he did last night. As I said, the first set he was out of sorts. Second set races out to a four-love lead. It's uh, highly mysterious. You wouldn't put it past Novak to perhaps be exaggerating a, a little or maybe trying to prove a point, as you guys spoke about earlier. Um, he does. He said that if the, the quarantine system like we have in Melbourne is the same at other tournaments around the world, then no one wants to play. So maybe it's all kind of a part of that, making a point. The theatre of sport. Also today, Israel Folau. He's not going away. He's still keen to return to the NRL. Yeah, it won't be happening anytime soon, though. So his, uh, his managers, his uh, associates reached out to the NRL to request a face-to-face meeting. That has been knocked back until the NRL says uh, a team makes another formal application to register him in the NRL to make that uh, that comeback to rugby league. Of course, he's been playing rugby union over in France. 
Uh, St. George Illawarra, well, they lasted all of about 48 hours uh, trying to sign him. All that backlash from fans and sponsors, they pulled out of that uh, pretty quickly. So he needs a team to actually say that they're interested in him, submit an application, then the NRL will sit down with them. Just in some other NRL news, uh, Cam Smith, sent the rumour mill into overdrive yesterday. Spotted training on the Gold Coast. The Titan CEO, Steve Mitchell, says they are yet to sit down with the future immortal. There's only three weeks to go until the start of the season, so he'll have to get moving if Cam Smith wants to play and play for another club. Mm. And Aussie Test Stars set to return to state cricket this morning, Brett. Yeah, this is because the the test tour of South Africa was uh, called off at the 11th hour. Cricket Australia opting not to go due to uh, COVID fears, but we've got... Uh, that that's a win for state cricket. We've got the likes of Steve Smith and Tim Payne in action today in Sheffield Shield cricket. The New South Wales squad is absolutely star-studded. They've got uh, Smith, uh, they've got uh, Josh Hazelwood, they've got Mitch Stark uh, playing in that, and then some other guys who are on the fringe of test selection as well against Sean Abbott. So a feel for the Victorian side. That will be played at the SCG as well. No Will Pekofsky has a shoulder injury. He's looking at uh, surgery for that as well. Tim Payne, among the other test stars in action, he'll pull on the gloves for Tassie against Queensland, featuring Manus Labashane. Brett, thank you. Thanks, Tash. Checking the weather details around the country this Wednesday morning and heavy rain is set to fall in many parts of the east coast of Australia over the next few days with strong swells also expected. Brisbane, as we mentioned, shower or two on the way, top of 28. Shower or two for Sydney, 25. Sunny conditions for Melbourne today, 31. Partly cloudy, 24. 28 and sunny today for Hobart, 37 warm day on the way for Adelaide, mostly sunny, 27 for Perth and showers with a storm expected and a top of 30 for Darwin. And this pooch was certainly her owner's best friend. A loyal dog in the US has become an instant millionaire after inheriting 5 million US dollars in her owner's will. Eight-year-old Lulu, the Border Collie, is now set to live a life of luxury with the money put into a trust for her ongoing care. Lulu's owner, Bill Doris, wasn't married and died late last year. Friend Martha Burton, who is Lulu's caretaker, has told News Channel 5 in the US she's not sure what all the money will be spent on. I don't really know what to think about it, tell you the truth. Neves loved the dog. Gives you pause for thought. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. Please rate and review and you can also follow us on your socials at Your Morning Agenda on Instagram. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks for your company. Have a great day. And we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Tomorrow.